You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekha Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. We have um, two special guests with us, uh, Gary Hawkins and Shekha Raman, who, um, who do a lot of great work in our industry. They're thought leaders and they're also uh, uh, pragmatists and, and, and practitioners as well. When you think about personalization, there's really four drivers of effectiveness here. There's the quantity and the quality of the data that you're working with. So, you know, are you capturing purchase data on 10% of your sales, 50% of your sales, or are you a company uh, like a Weiss Markets, like a Coburn's, like a Kroger, that's capturing 85, 90, 95% of your total sales back to customers? Uh, the next thing that's going to impact effectiveness is the size of the offer pool you're using is it just you know the couple hundred items that are on sale is it a few hundred items and a specially created offer pool that you're trying to get funded by vendors or are you going to use all the products in your store and make them available there's the sophistication of the strategy and the algorithms used and then there's the breadth of customer engagement right if you're offering even the world's best personalization and strategy and everything, but you're only touching 5% of your shoppers, you're not going to have a massive impact. But if you're offering powerful personalization and you're able to engage and touch 50% or 75% of your shoppers, you're going to have a significant impact on your business, your revenue, and your bottom line. So the question is, where does retail go? Right. So clearly, you know, last hundred years, a lot of has, a lot of it has uh, depended on what you do in the store, customer service, you know, your store layout, the experience, the assortment, the pricing. Um, but you know what we've seen in the last twenty years is that there's a lot of things happening under the you know under the surface so to say right so understanding your customer behavior uh doing those that the personalization the data analytics and hyper targeted campaigns which are invisible to your competition right so it's impossible for um your competition to really know how you're leveraging this data because most of this communication that's happening is going direct to the consumer it's not being published on your website it's not being sent uh in some flyers that's accessible publicly it's happening typically directly in direct contact with the customer through either a mobile app or email or sms or what you have what have you right so so clearly the direction that retail is going in is this whole sub you know what's submerged right under the this big iceberg um, and the question is how do you get to that point how do you get to the point where you're starting to use some of these technologies to drive your business fundamentally uh, there's a lot of data that's sitting uh, on your end, uh, whether it's loyalty data or product nutrition data or pricing or purchase data or inventory data that can be processed in a way where you can understand every shopper's behavior to a great, great degree. This is really, you know, and very interesting stuff uh, on the one hand. On the other hand, it's a little bit scary um, because, you know, I think it lays out the challenge that's ahead of us. Uh, I think a lot of people look at these, you know, this information and you think about data, you think about artificial intelligence and so forth. When I look at this information, I'm thinking about relationships, 
That's the term that comes to mind. And when I work with retailers and I ask independent retailers, especially, and I ask them, well, what makes you different from other retailers in the community? And invariably an answer comes back something like, well, we know our customers better. We're closer to our customers than the next guy. And I think what's interesting is you guys have laid out the way that that is going to happen in the future, that that's that we're using artificial intelligence to power our human intelligence to further relationships. So these are tools that are best used really in the hands of independent retailers, not not just the big guys. Um, I wanna open it up to, to questions in a second. I do wanna share with you one thing. This is what we know. Um, and this is a little bit uh, of a challenge. I, I hope you'll agree. When we ask customers, shoppers across the country, if they feel their primary store shows that it values you as a customer, these are the results we get. These are not great results for us as an industry. We're only 31% strongly agree with that statement. And you know, basically the same amount disagree with that statement to some extent, right? People just don't feel as if their store values them personally as a customer. Again, that relationship thing. You know, one good example, one good reason is that when we ask if emails and texts from their primary store, they feel like they're curated or targeted them to them personally. In other words, it takes into account them and their, their behavior and relationship with the store. Look at these results, like less than half agree to any extent and more than half fully disagree with that statement to some extent. So this is where we, uh, that's in front of us. And what I think Gary and Shaker are doing are laying out both the foundation and groundwork and then some specific tools that we, we should be, I'm talking about us on this call, um, independent retailers, interdependent retailers should be, we should be all over this because this is what Kroger's already doing it. The big guys are already doing this. Amazon's already mining this data. This is the stuff that we, when we, when we say we know our customers better, I guess my challenge would be, well, prove it. Show me that you know your customers better. And in what ways are you keeping up with others, other stores in how well you know your customers? That's sort of the, the way I look at it. Harold, what strikes you in this, uh, in this conversation? Uh, three uh, three questions that I have are three things. Number one, the, the number of dollars we're leaving on the table with when you talk about vendor money, we we, we customize a program for them giving the, the top tier, the second two top two tiers, and they come up with this money. Where do the dabblers get this money? Where, where do we make up this money that they're given, the disciples are given to help promote their events and promote their programs are we making it up on some other bucket of money that's out here or are we missing out completely so harold really good question and what i see happening at that disciple level and again the one of the clear differentiators here the disciples versus the devotees and the uh, the uh, dabblers is those disciples have taken the responsibility for funding all those personalized discounts they are not dependent upon their vendors or CPGs for that money, right? And while they can seem scary at first, especially the retailers that have spent their careers, you know, relying on vendor-funded deals to drive their advertising and marketing, drive their business, um, you know, these, these retailers that are doing this are getting just a huge ROI. What 
Um, now, there's no simple answer to this because, you know, you've got some retailers, probably most of the retailers, I think, you know, with us today are buying through a wholesaler that limits somewhat their, their flexibility. Um, I'll make the comment that larger retailers uh, that are buying directly, that are disciples, are pushing everything to an everyday low cost rather than promotional monies. They're pushing everything to an everyday low cost, opening up their margin a little bit, and then they're spending that extra margin how they want, which is back through these personalized campaigns, getting a big return for it. Um, you know, if you're an, uh, an independent retailer, you're working through a wholesaler, and again, this is something I did years ago as a retailer, I would look to your TPRs, right? Um, you know, those TPRs are flowing almost automatically through the system. They're, you know, either off invoice or, or you know, uh, however they're, they're structured. But think of the potential to redirect some of that money. So Kellogg's is giving you, you know, 50 cents a unit on a TPR for the next four weeks. Maybe instead of just passing through all 50 cents, you pass through 25 cents available to anyone at the shelf. But then you're going to give a sweeter deal to shoppers that that product is really important to. So think about how you can begin to shift some of the, the discount dollars that you're getting today around a little bit. Think how you can utilize your private label products that typically offer you a better margin. Uh, think how you can uh, use some of the fresh products, store-made products, that type of thing. Is there a minimum number of stores that I have to have to really become a devotee or a disciple? I don't really think so. I think it's more dependent on your data discipline. Uh, more than the number of stores. Uh, so if you're if you're if you have a few stores and you you have a good handle in your data, I think you can do this. So I, I saw some questions in the chat, Doug. I don't know if uh, I should respond to them, but I yeah yeah. You should. In fact, actually, we're at time now, and yeah. I wanted to in introduce you to the uh, the new segment that we why we put you at this time. I'd love to know a name of a retailer who you consider a disciple. Before I go, though, would you please give me a name of someone? 10 stores or so that is a disciple in your category? Well, I can't say it's 10 stores or not, but I can tell you like uh, one of our customers is Weiss Markets, who is definitely a disciple. They are doing uh, personalization at a huge scale where they run these programs for hundreds and thousands of shoppers on a weekly basis with almost no manual intervention. Great question. I think that's definitely something on a lot of retailers' minds. So, A, uh, our, the solution that Birdseye has is a completely cloud-hosted solution. So, there is no dependency on technology internally. The only thing that we are looking for is customer-identified data. So, the Birdseye platform itself just takes data feeds. So, your key logs, you know, any other information that you have when your customer comes in, FTP'd into our system. That's it. There is no other requirement for any integration beyond that point. Uh, all the analysis is happening on the bird's eye platform. So from an integration standpoint, extremely light. Uh, we work with, uh, you know, 10, 15 store chains all the way to 200 store chains. 
and the integration doesn't change. Okay, it's just data feeds coming in. So I think people have that concern about, you know, do we have the tech for something like this? Well, the tech is not, you know, it's not dependent on you. It's like, you know, if you use Gmail, where you don't have to hold the, post the email server, you're logging into some website. So it's much the same with the bird's eye platform. I mean, I'll, I'll take the first pick of this and Gary can fill in. So I think, uh, you know, if you work with a third-party data provider like an Experian or, you know, things like Epsilon data, or there are multiple data providers out there, uh, we can we certainly can integrate all of that data in. Again, you know, what you need to understand is from your end, there is no technology requirement. It's just data feeds coming into our system. We augment the customer information uh, with that. And, uh, you know, in fact, we even work with Doug, right? So when uh, survey data coming from retail feedback, you know, feedback group can be integrated back into this to understand, you know, customer sentiment and attach that to the per entire personalization journey, right? So that's, uh, Gary, you want to add to that? Yeah, I, th I think the only thing I would add is when, uh, as a retailer, you're thinking of the data it takes to power this up. You know, first and foremost, it's customer identified purchase data, right? So that customer identifying themselves to that transaction. The, the second place would be uh, your product data and having uh, as much product attribute data as you can. Uh, you know, there's companies out there like Label Insight, Syndigal, Spins, uh, and others that are able to provide a lot of other attributes for the different products you sell. You know, whether it contains nuts, so it's not good for someone with a nut allergy, it's sugar-free, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you don't have that data yourself, many times your wholesaler, uh, or the different distributors you work with can provide that data. Um, you know, beyond that, yeah, th those are really the two things I would concentrate on uh, because there are things you've got today and you can simply grow. Uh, you know, uh, things like other digital data, social media, uh, uh, and so on, that can come over time. The two things I'd focus on right now, customer identified data and then product attribute data. I actually think people are starting to expect it as opposed to the creep factor, right? So I think uh, if somebody has been interacting with you for months, if not years, I think uh, they're more thinking about the technologies there. Why don't you start sending me communication that's going to simplify my journey? Uh, and I think where it gets creepy is if you're starting to poke around um, and suggest stuff to them that is outside of their interaction with you, right? So I think uh, anything based off of purchase data and their your direct interaction with a retailer, it's like, you know, if you told me that you don't like almonds and you kept coming to my home and I kept going giving you almonds, I think you'd get frustrated at some point and you'd expect me to use that basic information to serve you back. So no, we have not really felt any, gotten any feedback around that. I think in fact, people like, relevance and it's and i think relevance the beauty of relevance is if you do it well it feels like nothing is happening it feels frictionless and it feels like it's part of the flow yeah I, i'm so I, glad i'm so glad you turned that around into the concept of relevance right as opposed to the concept of, of creepiness like i i don't know i i shop at a whole bunch of stores i've been gluten-free i have celiac disease i've been gluten-free for 15 20 years and if somebody is still sending me, one of my stores is still sending me coupons for a for a package of, of imported pasta, 
it really kind of pisses me off at this point. Like how, how many transactions do you need for me to tell you that I haven't bought anything with gluten in it for 20 years? You know, so it's almost, it's weird because that's my expectation just because of how the world works these days. Right. Good analogy. Yeah. And, and, and Doug, I, I would add to what Shaker said. I completely agree with Shaker. This is absolutely becoming an expectation on the part of your shoppers. Think about you've got to expand your view of competition today from just the store down the street, right? You're competing with Amazon. Amazon has more data than probably anyone on earth today about each and every one of us. Um, uh, you know, and they use that data. Every time you go to Amazon.com, what you are being presented with is being driven by your past purchases, by things you've browsed, things you've looked for, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, companies like Kroger have had this data. Kroger's had this data for 20 years and is a master at using this data. Other companies, even someone like Walmart, is going down this path as fast as they can go of capturing data that they can attribute back to that shopper to better understand them. My wife, my wife mentioned the word cruise at dinner last night, and within 45 minutes, I got a Norwegian, a Norwegian ad on her and my phone. I mean, it, if you call that creepy, you get rid of your phone because it's happening to you all the time, and if you don't yeah. know it, it's it's happening. I mean that. If that's creepy or relevant. I mean, holy let's go. I do want to, in terms of like, so one of the leaders in this group, um, fantastic organization and, and really smart guy uh, is Gene Crowley. And, uh, you know, Gene, I think you mentioned in the chat, whether it's private or, or, or to everyone, that you guys are, in fact, doing some of this stuff. What, what kinds of things are you doing? Correct. We're, we've got a loyalty program that has an app and we're doing weekly offers to our uh, membership. We've got 153,000 members. Um, we look at, uh, right now, we haven't segmented yet the customers, but we're going to look at our best customers down. We're going to segment it to about five uh, segments. And then we're also looking at employees. We're going to do an employee-only offers. So we're just getting into that, and hopefully in the new year, we'll be up to that stage. When we look at it, um, at ID sales, um, we've got uh, average basket size and ID sales. That's somebody that's used the app. We also have a card um, at about $45.10. So non-app users or non-members are down to $28. Wow. So just see the difference that this loyalty really does. And now to make a point or to the point of uh, creepiness and all that, is we found we have two different banners. We've got Buy Low Foods, which is a low, low price offering, and then we have a Nestor's Market, which is more high end. Well, if we put Coke on and send it to everybody on all our memberships, we get more comments back from our Nestor's customers and say, "Don't send me these items. I don't use these items." So that we get more of that negative part than somebody saying. Oh, this is creepy. We think about how Netflix is structured, right? Like to me, I don't know. I, I, if they paid attention to the to the few people that were concerned about creepiness, they wouldn't be, you know, at the level they're at right now. Right now, if I go into some random hotel room and I put in my ID into Netflix, it knows what I've been watching, 
what I might want to watch next, you know, and it's, you know, and then the guy who's staying in the room the next night when he logs in, you know, it's, it's serving up that information. And, and when my daughter logs in, it's serving up something totally different than it did to me. To me, that is the essence of a relationship right there. That that's, that's, and that's where it's going. If, 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 if we think we are somehow superior to the stores down the street, because we have close, we are closer in, in terms of relationships, we're more closely connected to our customers. And I think there are a lot of independent retailers who are of that mindset. You know, these are the ways I think that that's, that's going to operationalize in the future. It's, it's a brilliant question because, you know, uh, it's like, you know, electric cars of the future and uh, are you going to learn how to charge them and operate them <laughs> well you don't have a choice number one and number two what i would suggest is the time commitment that's actually involved in getting down this path is way less than you actually think it is because once you have the data feeds in place most of the work is being done by the platform what you do have to change however is your thinking in terms of how you think about your business you want to start thinking about it in a customer-centric fashion as opposed to category and product fashion right so that's really the big change that you have to make in terms of thinking once you do that everything else is a natural progression right you're going to want to know about your customers you want to understand how they behave how they change and i think that's to me the biggest thing so it's more than a time commitment it's more a mental switch commitment that you have to make in my opinion uh the second thing i would say is if you don't have a loyalty program but you do have online sales uh, you can do a lot you you can start building lookalike audiences based on your online baskets right so you can look at baskets and say hey shopper people who put this in the basket i see other people in my store who buy the same thing in their basket and start doing some lookalike audiences there's certainly things that you can do but however i think what you'll realize is that maybe your online business is i don't know five seven ten if you're lucky percent of your business it's just not a big enough sample for you to start impacting the rest of the store so you really want to think about some kind of loyalty program to identify shoppers at checkout whether it's a digital coupon program you introduce where you're they're incentivized to identify themselves doesn't have to be a full-fledged loyalty program but i want you to start thinking about where you can go and how you can get started on that journey yeah and and added to that measure that right so you know companies that are leaders in this space uh, are including on their weekly sales reporting management reporting what percentage of their sales and transactions they identified back to customers each week right they're measuring the number of unique customers or customer households shopping each week not just the number of transactions they have they're measuring a rolling uh, retention rate how well they're hanging on to their customers right so think about embedding customer-based metrics into your management reporting yeah and i think the last thing i would say here is you know we need about 18 months to really do a good, good job to start with uh 18 months of shopper history because you really want year over year comparisons to see how your shoppers have done uh but you know we, you get started where you can right so this is one of those things where you know uh 
there is no right time. You just have to start doing it and you just keep improving steadily. But, you know, the cost and the complexity is way less than you you, you imagine. Uh, we're happy to, you know, set up a, a demo to kind of walk you through that process. But we've onboarded everybody from uh, a 10-store chain to a 200-store plus chain uh, with all kinds of huge IT departments. So I don't think that's that's a worry. That's that's really what we're here for. We, we take the pain out of the technology integration Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. 